0: Hello and welcome to What Moves Us, the podcast where we ask, what moves us? Or more accurately, what's going to move us in future?
1: With the Rail Innovation Group's Johanna Randall and Liam Henderson, we look at debates, themes and decisions of the minute that will impact on the way we get about in the future.
0: Hello Johanna, how are you doing today?
1: (laughs) I'm very well, thank you. I noticed
0: you're showing me a cat.
1: I know that's Saffy. She's my little, my wee office pal.
0: Right, an AI generated cat or not?
1: <laughs> not AI generated. though. No, she's far too fluffy to be AI generated.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So, where are you today?
1: I'm in Pitlochry. Don't get anything about it very often these days.
0: Well, I was about to say, I'm obviously in London today. The last time we spoke, you were on a bus on the way back from Edinburgh to Pitlochry, I believe. Oh.
1: Yes. Um,
0: I was going to ask how we just had a look at the stats for public transport use since pre-COVID and we're now back up to 100% of rail and the buses are coming back. I was wondering if bus, you think the £2 bus fare thing that's been extended is making any difference?
1: Well the stats certainly seem to show that it's making a difference, um, because I was looking at something recently. I mean because we don't have the two pound bus fare in Scotland, but there are different um concessions available because last year it was introduced for um under 22 year olds to all have free travel and of course if you're um over 60 in scotland you also get um free travel as well unlike in some parts of england where i believe it's um pegged to the um pension age of 67 i think it is oh, okay i was going to ask so, which of the
0: two scottish schemes you can comp- you you qualify for
1: unfortunately neither but having said that um they do have they they do have a project um, or a project, uh, a campaign up in Scotland as well called Love My Bus, and I think it's going on at the moment, or it's going to be a couple of weeks. And they do have um, sort of like all, all sorts of offers on during that week where you can try the bus to see if you prefer it. But of course, being in Pitlockery, we do get the um, we do get the. Intercity style buses come through, um, such as Megabus and City Links and that, and they offer a really good service into um either the centre of Edinburgh, Glasgow, and up to Inverness, with various places where you can change to also hook up to other destinations within Scotland. So it's a really and um, it's a really convenient way to travel. It's quite comfortable, it's got Wi-Fi on board. Um, they also have you know very handy little places for you to stick your phone that can charge, and you can watch something of your choice while you're playing. So I find, so I find the whole experience of bus works quite well in Scotland. Right. And and I know that I've spoken to many of the people involved in running buses and told them as well how much I love the bus.
0: <laughs> right. So what do you watch when you're on the bus journeys?
1: What do I watch? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> Well, it depends, but of course, my favourite at the moment is um, The Marvellous Mrs. Basil, which is on the final season.
0: Right. Well, I haven't watched it myself, so don't tell me the ending oh. in case
1: I haven't watched it, I haven't watched it. I, I haven't watched it for a couple of weeks, so because they've been because they haven't downloaded it all at once, um, at the moment. So they've been doing two episodes a week, I think. So I don't think it's quite at the end, and I think I've got a couple of weeks to catch up on anyway.
0: Right. Well look forward to that definitely
1: but yeah the bus the bus works really well in scotland and i guess you know, and, and i guess one of the reasons why it does work well is because you know whilst you know, um you you have the intercity services um rail doesn't go everywhere in scotland so you know road transport you know whether that is you know by by car or by bus is pretty important because it provides that connectivity, and I think that's one of the reasons why I do really like the buses. Because it all seems to work seamlessly together, because of that.
0: Right. So you're obviously in a rural area, um, very nice rural area in the mountains. Are you seeing any expansion or any talk of future mobility in your area?
1: No, um, but there is um, there is a, a um conference on tomorrow um the um 11th of may I had to look at the data my calendar because mm-hmm. they all seem to go into one um called the gathering which is run by the 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 um scottish rural islands transport committee committee no it's not committee is it the scottish rural and islands transport community Course, it had right. to be a community, didn't it not? So and they are debating some of the issues that rural transport particularly has. Um and so, and that's being attended by the um Scottish Transport Minister as well. So it's got good, it's got good coverage. And I think the thing that you particularly see up here in Scotland is not not so much the uh, the controver- you know, the the problems with rail or with buses or anything. Um, it's the controversy over the ferry contracts. And in fact, after many many years, they still haven't been delivered. They're vastly over budget, and they still don't have ferries. They still don't have the new ferries. And I think, um, as ever with with these transport issues, is that they affect people's lives. You know, these are you know. Issues that, you know, on, a, on some islands in Scotland, I say some, on a lot of islands in Scotland, they really are the lifeblood. So even if you just want to do something that in the city you take for granted, like going to a hospital appointment, in Scotland it can be a two or three day round trip to go to a hospital appointment. And if they cancel the ferry, then that's you you've missed your hospital appointment so it really it really is a big issue and that's yeah. that's why it gets so so much attention um so that'll be that'll also be some of the issues that are being debated on you know at, at the gathering up in up at the boat of Garten, but um also i mean i've not seen a huge expansion of it but i guess the the thing that is they're piloting a lot up here is mobility as a service and demand responsive transport and certainly community-led transport you know so but I think what concerns me about some of these things particularly community-led transport is that it relies on um, volunteers and I really do wonder, you know, how sustainable is um, you know, particularly in rural locations, because they do tend to be more older populations, is really how sustainable are running public, what should be public services on a volunteer basis? Yeah, yep. we need these services, we should be paying for them because they're kind of false economies, I I personally think.
0: Right. Okay. And have you been on your driverless bus yet up there?
1: I haven't because it's only been it's only being trialed around um the Tay, isn't it? Sort of like going over the old um Queen's Ferry crossing. So no, I haven't I haven't had a go. Maybe right. I should go and find out a bit more about it and have a go. Oh,
0: Absolute sight is it. <laughs>
1: <something in> <laughs> so what have you been up to then?
0: Um well apart from trying to cram in five days of work to four for the last few weeks, um and dodging the rain. We've had a lot of rain. Uh, what have I known up to? Uh, a lot of Rail Innovation Group stuff. We are releasing our thought piece on public funding hopefully tomorrow, so look out for that. But by the time you listen to this, it will already have been released. So have a read. Head to our website, realinnovationgroup.com. Why,
1: why should people read it? Why would why would people be interested in it? What's it going to say?
0: Well, if they don't read it, then they'll miss out, mainly. But um, we did a... Oh, we should have done a whole podcast on this, but I will give you the highlights, which are we had a conversation with our wide community and our members, and we asked them, have you received any public funding support for projects or solution builds? And if you have, tell us about your experience with receiving that funding and getting the market. So we had a lot of feedback, which we have anonymized to... Uh, we we thought it would, it may have some commercial issues if we didn't anonymize it. So it is anonymized, but we've taken direct quotes from the the responses, feedback, and crafted them into a report that comes up with five recommendations for improving the way funding is, uh, can support innovation in Braille. Um, A lot of it is around the way that, obviously, there's a... sort of a contrast in the way that obviously the public sector has to work in both. You specify things in advance, you agree to them in advance and then you track delivery. Whereas startups look at an opportunity, try something that doesn't work, try something doesn't work, changes the product slightly, changes the market slightly, changes their they aiming at slightly. And then some one of those will be successful. But trying to map those two things together for something like a, uh, trial in industry um, doesn't it doesn't allow the startup to be created, creative but it doesn't get the public sector as much benefit as it could do if but it's, a, it's, a, it's a mindset to It's well, a mindset I it,
1: though
0: not it it's, it's, Yes it's a mindset but it's also the constraints of dealing with public money because you have to be able to document what you've done with the taxpayer money and to be able to document it you have to have a what you intend to do with it, did you deliver? Whereas the way that a startup would work with money often isn't quite the same because halfway through, they pivot to a different theme or a different target audience. So they need that flexibility to make the best of money, but the current structure needs them to deliver what they said they would the start.
1: Basically, that's interesting in itself because I think... I you know, I said I think I understand that we need to deliver value to the taxpayer and value to, you know, because ultimately whilst we talk about value to governments, it's not really value to governments, it's value to taxpayers, isn't it? And I wonder whether you know, by trying to, you know, deliver to that, you know, to that value and measure things. Because of course, you know, not I'm not saying you shouldn't measure things and make sure sh- and track things to make sure that they do achieve their aims and that. Do we actually waste taxpayers' money? And one of the reasons why I say that is so I'm I'm thinking about one of my favorite topics, ticketing. And I'm thinking about the um the um Southeastern flexible ticketing scheme, SEFT, as it as it was known. And that sort of like became, you know, a bit of a beast. And part of you know, the reason why, you know, maybe it became part of beast was because it was said this was what was had to be delivered, and no deviation was allowed from it, even when they discovered things that weren't working. So actually, are we just continuing to fund failure just because we can't be a bit more pragmatic?
0: Um I don't have a I'm keeping away from giving you a summation of what you're hoping, I will say.
1: I don't know, I just was (laughs) having a conversation. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't trying we are not to giving an opinion to... at all on whether things are a waste or not a waste we are no
1: it wasn't really was. about the waste it was more about the process you know by being you know by being sort of like quite rigid and inflexible and you know, not having that agility to be able to pivot does it actually mean that you know things actually end up because it takes us longer to get to find the failure yes because we continue to think well that was what we said we'd do so we have to keep going down that path even though everybody knows that you know maybe this isn't working we should revisit it but it, it takes you know it's like a glass it's like an iceberg isn't it you know this takes you know a glacier or something where it just takes a long time for it to sort of like you know reach a painful end or something
0: uh yes yeah No, I get that and also though we discussed we particularly kept our discussion to companies who had had public money and gone through the process what you end up with is in this current structure you be, you are less attractive to companies applying through your process because they can't work within that structure so our audience sorry not our audience, our sample group were those people who had gone through the process but we No, we've acknowledge the fact that there are lots of companies who didn't go through the process that we didn't talk to, so we don't know what they talked about. Mm. The purpose of the report was to start a conversation, similar to our Fastest of Passengers report we did a few years ago. That started a conversation working groups, which are doing very well now and moving the agenda forward. We would like this to start the discussion. We are a very small group, so we can't do that level of investigation. But we can certainly raise it to say this needs wider consideration.
1: So yes. what's, so, so what are you hoping that um, people will take away from, from the report then?
0: I think primarily what us was... Unfortunately with the podcast, I can't see my massive gesticulating arms, but I am <laughs> swaying them around as I speak to you. Um, And I can't do that with like soaking up and down in my voice tone. Uh, The main thing being just to understand the the different ways that the startups versus the public sector work, they work in a different way. It's not that it right and wrong, it's just that trying to get a funding support package that meets the needs of both types of organizations is very, very difficult, just because of the speed at which they work Um, and uh, what they consider the measure of success to be. Because the public sector would say the measure of success is you applied, got the funding, you delivered the funding, and you have an output, tick, successful delivery. But the startup, the private company, would not consider it successful if you get the funding and then nothing happens because there's no route to market because the thing you've developed through this funding support is already already what's the word behind the times because something new is coming up
1: it is not just that though is it um because um i've sort of like you know with you know other groups in in Scotland and, and and SMEs and that I've been talking about. It's not just the whole, you know, sort of like getting the funding. Like it's sort, of, I mean, like the route to market is also really important as well. Is because, um, does does the piece explore anything on sort of like you know what happens next? You know, in terms of procurement or anything.
0: You'll have to have a read
1: <laughs> because that's something that always but giving you that, a clue
0: it does
1: (laughs) (laughs) because that's always something that comes up you know is that you know that the fact that you know you do the project you know it might you know whether it's successful it's then what next and then it sort of like gets you know bogged down into procurement um rules and yeah and and nobody seems to you know have found you know the that way to un to unlock it
0: i there (laughs) there there is no way to unlock it at the moment because of the way that all the structures, exist, the structures exist. Um, and it cannot be for these startups. It's not their job to come up with a new structure. It's mm. the industry's job and the public sector's job to come up with a new structure until you tell them, until you can help people identify what particular, uh, not pain points are, but what the little ways to get over these hurdles? Um, I mean the classic one is that you 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 get some public funding to design a new I don't know camera of some sort. You're a small company and you build a brilliant camera, the public sector, go, yeah, we'd love to buy it. Right. We need to go from the public set to procurement and you don't win the procurement.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that, that but that is a common that is a common It is a very common thing it?
0: and it is a frustration, I think, all around. But the beast that is procurement. I mean, do you know who Mr. or Mrs. (laughs) Procurement is? Can you have a word with (laughs) them?
1: Well, I think, you see, I think that's also quite interesting because I think, you know, quite a lot of, you know, procurement departments and heads of procurement have been really engaged the last two or three years, but even they've sort of, like, you know, struggled to, you know, I mean, do you think you know actually it's not just about procurement and the the rules and things some of it is also maybe there just isn't enough resource to to maybe you know deal with some of that yeah
0: quite. well Well, yes also we're trying to
1: you know somebody whose job is you know to sort of like you know to to you know be that person in the room when you know when startups are um developing you know products and developing ideas and that so that you know they're involved in a process that allows that route to market or allows you know the on, an ongoing contract?
0: Yes. I mean all like I say yes, but that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. I think we're unfortunately now in another one of those cycles where people are waiting for a in a structural change. Because that's going to solve everything. Um, though it may or may not, just waiting for the structural change, which in our case is Great British Railways um, or a political change. We're now, we've got a hiatus of 18 months before, yeah,
1: I do know. before I kind the change
0: of... happens. So it's all very, it's very, it's. You, there's the risk that people just go, oh, that thing will solve it, let's wait for that change. But that change keeps getting pushed away, further, further away. And also, just because the structure changes, then you have to do all the work streams to use that structure to change. You know how Brexit was supposed to get rid of all of our procurement rules. So now we have breakfast, Brexit. Why breakfast. haven't we I still, love, I still
1: love breakfast. <laughs>
0: But we have the, we have had, for a few years, the opportunity to remove some of the public sector procurement issues or barriers, while we have not capitalised on that ability yet. So just because the new railway structure comes in doesn't automatically mean these changes will happen. So we need
1: to continue in, yeah, pushing
0: well, into the debate.
1: Yeah, because I was kind of... You're like... gesticulating now I know because I was because I had two thoughts because one I was thinking about, you know, the whole GBR and what this means for GBR, but then because you know, you took it down the road of you sort of like we're in this hiatus and that and part of that was because I I keep recently, you know, I've been thinking a lot about when the the William Shapps review first came out, so we did a podcast on it. And you know, and I think we were very positive about what that could do. Yeah. and I, I think I said at the time but my fear was that it would just you know you know get into this whole um sort of like you know debating about the structure and I think it would just take a long time to implement but in the whole in but in this whole time you know and life has kind of moved on a lot as well you know not just you know in terms of you know what's happening in railways but you know with the you know with the war in Ukraine, you know, with you know skill shortages, you know, you know some of the problems that you know, were faced by the review uh, have actually got worse. And in some ways, I kind of look back because we're also coming up to the five year. Actually, today might be the day of the five year anniversary of the Thameslink timetable and the northern the northern timetable, yeah. which sort of like led to this whole review and that. And kind of often, what crosses my mind. Actually, if government had decided to do nothing and just leave the industry to source itself out and for things to bed down and just sort of like work on what those issues were, would actually we be in a better position today than we are
0: potentially
1: because so. I mean what always concerns me is you know and and it's not unfair it's just actually that all these problems they're all you know they're all you know causing problems for customers but you know, but also you know um staff that work in the railway as well and it's creating you know uncertainty around that's part of the reason why you know when I speak to people you know when I speak to people who work on the railway you know they have no idea what's going on you know they're feeling uncertain about the future and that's that's what's part of what's behind some of these strikes because it's not just about the issue of pay they are really fearful about you know what's happening because they don't see anything happening so so there's kind of that and then this is all leading to poor customer service and poor customer experience because a badly motivated staff don't deliver they don't they don't come to themselves to work presenting their best selves because because they're not feeling motivated they don't you know there's no vision there's no clarity on what what they're doing yeah and that's know, yeah, and then you know, couple that with you know there being no money you know post pandemic and all the rest of it yeah it's sort of like a vicious circle of decline really and it doesn't make you feel very positive about things
0: sure um uh... I'm not sure if it's. A, I I I stand optimistic. There's not a period of a vicious circle of decline, but it is a circle of waiting.
1: There is, and I think that's the thing. Is that everybody? You know what we're we all waiting for? Godo.
0: I don't know what that is, but it's a yes. play.
1: Oh. It's a play about waiting for somebody that never ever comes. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Wow. and and that's almost yeah you know, and that's almost the point you said that i think in some ways you know that do we all have to stop the waiting and try to you know like like you know sort of like rail innovation group you know tries to sort of like push on the discussion and sort of like say well we can actually we can all make small changes we don't it doesn't always have to be about this big bang structure but i think there is you know i I am worried about the lack of leadership and the lack of direction and the lack of anybody saying anything because everyone got quite excited that, you know, Mark Harper, you know, declared that, you know, GBR, it's still, it's still our intention, you know, to do legislation. But of course the letter um, from, from railway industry association was sent to the prime minister this week because there are multiple rumours going around that the legislation isn't going to make it into this parliament because of, you know, the hiatus, you know, and I think the reality is is that probably, you know, in the general I mean there's probably two ways you can look at it. One, they, you know, it's not going to go through because there's just so there's just so much other legislation that needs to go through that may take priority over the railway. And the railway can kind of I guess the view might be, you know, between you know sort of like Department for Transport and Cabinet Office that it's it's in a steady state. It might yeah. not be in a good steady state, but it's in a steady state. And it's not going to fall over, you know, when you think about you know other wider issues that are going on with you know health service, education or whatever. So, you know, so it can tick along. Or well, the other view could be that actually they could do what they did, you know, just before the 97th election because they think they're going to lose anyway, and they'll just push through the legislation and leave it to whoever's gonna pick up the pieces. Well. Yeah, a fait accompli to whoever that might be, you know, yeah. maybe a hung parliament. <laughs> and of course, that's the thing, isn't it? Transport, you know, when when there's so many things going on, transport is never a big issue, is it? Because
0: until, not many people... Until it breaks and everyone... Until makes... it
1: breaks, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, are we, and you can guarantee it'll break again, because just purely because it's just not in a good state and it needs you know and it needs it i don't know whether it needs the legislation or not but it certainly needs stronger leadership and it certainly needs just to to be enabled for the railway and i say collectively within sort of like a family term i suppose you know or an industry term just be allowed to get on and deliver it and to make those improvements because i think you know one of the things that um I was at at Holyrood last week, and one of the things that's certainly sort of like becoming also clear. Um, up in Scotland, that as work is slowing down because of sort of like various hiatuses on projects and things, is that this is actually storing up problems for the future because we're talking about the skills agenda and diversity and that. But if we're cancelling projects or slowing down projects because of funding issues or political issues or whatever they are, it's actually preventing us from recruiting people into the industry, and it's rec- it's preventing us getting apprentices, and that's just creating more problems down in the future.
0: Yes. Although if we have a huge labour shortage, then we might not have had enough labour to do these projects anyway. Right. Uh, what can I update you on? Routex is on at the moment. I'm going tomorrow because I'm on the panel for younger professionals. Um what have you been at?
1: But I just mentioned I've been Hollywood to the yeah, R Scotland reception. I know. You
0: the which reception
1: the railway industry association scottish reception sponsored by graham simpson msp who is also i I do like to mention him because he's also a really big advocate for developing skills in rail and also women in rail
0: oh uh what else is going on uh and then it's the women in rail awards next week women in rail are you a woman in rail? <laughs> Allegedly. Are you going to the awards?
1: <laughs> I am. Yes, I'm pop- popping down for one night only, as they
0: say. Good. Oh, and before we go, you need to tell us about your event that you're going to be speaking yeah. at the Rail Innovation event at the end of June. Here is your audience.
1: Oh, because I didn't realise you were going to ask me to do it now,
0: because <laughs> I there thought was. we were just going. I thought we That's were just incredible. going to have a
1: i thought we were just going to have a short term conversation about it afterwards (laughs) so wait so i have a new business venture well it's not so new it's been going a couple of years but we've sort of like um we've been testing things and um developing on that so it's future travel studio and we're still thinking about the overall event but it's going to be the 28th of june and we think we're going to do a panel event which is going to be working title, The Power of Empathy, Creating a Human-Centered Rail Experience. Um, So we're going to tell you a bit more about what Future Travel Studio do, and we are going to um, create a panel of experts where we're going to explore the challenges and opportunities of designing a transport network that truly understands the needs of real customers.
0: Wow. Stay tuned for this space.
1: So hopefully it's going, to, I hope this is going to be very exciting and we're going to be inviting some exciting panellists of which actually we hope that, Liam, you're going to agree to be one of our panellists.
0: Oh, well, now I know. <laughs> Wouldn't miss <laughs> You'd it. You've
1: be been officially asked.
0: <laughs> right. Speak to you soon. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Moves Us. We hope we moved you. For more episodes, you'll definitely want to subscribe to our channel.
1: Until next time.